What's going on, my far, far away family? How's everyone doing today? We hope everything is good on your side of the galaxy. Same old thing out here on the Outer Rim. I heard a rumor that the Jedi were back. Dang, do-gooders are going to be out there telling everyone what to do again. And there's a new Galactic Republic. I'm not saying that the Empire was better than the Republic or anything, but at least with the Empire, you knew where they stood, which is always a good thing for someone like me. I stay out of their way, they stay out of my way. It all worked out the way it was supposed to. But when the Republic was in control, they had all of these rules you had to follow, laws and stuff. It was just really hectic, which I didn't like. And I like when my Sith brothers were in control of the galaxy. Except if they knew that I was around, they would probably try to kill me. But that's another story for another podcast. I think it's time that we get back to the reason we are all here. So as the story goes, there was this dude named Darth Bane. He was a Dark Lord of the Sith. He had an apprentice named Xana, and he came up with this new Sith order, where there could only be two, a master and an apprentice, which is the stupidest thing that I have ever heard in my life. How is two people supposed to take over the entire galaxy? You need way more than just two people. No, I'm just kidding. Gotta have some fun or what's the point? Okay, before we get too far into this episode, I want to give a quick shout out to the winners of last week's giveaway. Amanda, Doxman, Cheers, Clement, and the big winner of the Galaxy's Edge giveaway, Chris. Thanks for participating, and we hope you enjoy your prizes. And thanks to everyone for donating to the Kofi Fight COVID. We really appreciate it. Now let's get to the juicy part of the show, because when we left off a couple weeks ago, Johan had just got permission to oversee the building of a monument on Rusan, and Xana found out more about Hit, his life story, and his true intention. So let's find out what's going to happen next. Night had fallen over Ambria, but Bane was not interested in sleep. Instead, he was sitting cross-legged in what remained of their camp, waiting for Xana to return with supplies so they could rebuild. As he waited, he meditated on his most recent failure with the Holocron. The dilemma offered no easy solution. If he pushed himself too hard, his body would betray him, causing him to make mistakes during the precise adjustments of the Holocron's matrix. If he went slowly, conserving his strength, he would be unable to finish before the cognitive network began to degrade. The two factors worked at cross-purposes, and Bane had racked his mind to find a way to balance the requirements of both time and effort. His most recent attempt had pushed his power to its limits, bringing him to the edge of complete exhaustion. Yet even if he hadn't made the critical error that caused the Matrix to collapse, he doubted he would have been able to complete the final adjustments in time. The more he contemplated the process, the more frustrated he became. He had failed on both sides of the spectrum. Unable to finish in the allotted time, and lacking the necessary strength to complete his task without error. Was it possible there was some other essential element in the process that he was missing? Was there one more secret waiting to be unlocked that would finally allow him to create a holocron so he could pass his wisdom and knowledge on to his successors? Or was the failure in him? Did he simply lack power? Was his command of the dark side somehow less than that of the ancient Sith Lords like Freedon Nad? It was an uncomfortable line of speculation, but it was one Bane forced himself to consider. 
We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. He had read the histories of the great Sith Lords. Many were filled with feats almost too incredible to be believed. Yet even if these accounts were true, even if some of his predecessors had had the ability to use the dark side to destroy entire worlds or make a sun go nova, Bane still felt that his power measured up to the described abilities of many of those who had successfully created holocrons of their own. But how much of your power is wasted on the parasites infesting your body? The question sprang unbidden to his mind, posed not in his own voice, but that of his apprentice. Zana had expressed her concerns about the effect the Orbalisks might be having on him. It was possible she was right. He had always believed the drawbacks of the Orbalisks, the constant pain, the disfiguring appearance, to be offset by the benefits they provided. They healed him, made him physically stronger, and protected him against all manner of weapons. Now he began to question that belief. While it was true that he could channel his power through the creatures for a temporary increase in his abilities, over the long term, they might actually be weakening him. They were constantly feeding on the dark side energies that flowed through his veins. Was it possible that, after a decade of infestation, his ability to draw upon the Force had been subtly diminished. It was an idea he would have once dismissed out of hand, but his continued failure with the Holocrons had forced him to reevaluate his symbiotic relationship with the strange crustaceans. He could feel them even now, feeding, drawing on the Force that flowed through his veins. Did Bane possibly say that Xana might be right? Did her attempts to implant data about the Orbalisk work? It's starting to look that way. The Orbalisk suddenly became agitated. They twitched and trembled against his flesh. He felt their insatiable hunger growing, as if in response to the nearby presence of a fresh source of dark side power. Bane glanced around, expecting to see Xana approaching the camp beneath the brightness of the full moon. He saw nothing. He sensed nothing, not even the small creatures and insects that came out at night to hunt for food, flying overhead or crawling across the sand. The normal awareness he had of the ambient world around him seemed strangely muted, or masked. He leapt to his feet and drew his lightsaber, the blade blazing to life with a crackling hiss. A burst of red light exploded around him, illuminating the darkness and burning away the illusions cloaking his unseen enemies. Eight red robe figures surrounded the camp, their identities hidden by the visors of their helmets. Each carried a long metal rod that Bane recognized as a force pike, the traditional weapon of the Umbaran Shadow Assassins. Specially trained in the art of killing force-sensitive adversaries, Shadow Assassins preferred to rely on stealth and surprise. Exposed by Bane's energy burst, they suddenly found their greatest advantage taken away. And even though there were eight of them, Bane never hesitated. 
He leapt forward and cut the first red rope figure down before he or she had a chance to react. A single slash of his lightsaber bisecting the unfortunate opponent horizontally just above the waist. The other seven swarmed him, thrusting their force spikes forward to deliver the deadly electrical charge stored in the tips. Bane never even bothered to parry the incoming blows, relying on his orbalisk armor to protect him as he adopted a strategy of pure offense. His unexpected tactics caught two more of the assassins completely unprepared, and they walked right into a sweeping two-handed cut that disemboweled them both. The remaining five struck Bane almost simultaneously, their four spikes sending a million volts of current through his body. The orbalisks absorbed most of the charge, but enough filtered through to jolt him from his teeth down to his toes. The Dark Lord staggered and fell to his knees. But instead of rushing in to finish him off, the assassins simply stood their ground. The idea that anything smaller than a bantha could withstand a direct hit from a force pike set to maximum charge, let alone five pikes at the same time, was inconceivable. Their miscalculation gave Bane the second he needed to shake off the effects and rise to his feet, much to the amazement and horror of his enemies. So Bane just took five force spikes like it wasn't nothing. It stunned him for a second, but didn't kill him like it should have. This caused the assassins to hesitate. Duh, I would have stopped my attack too. I wonder what they were thinking right at that moment. I would have been thinking, well, today is the day. I'm about to die. Zana was right about you. A voice from behind Bane called out. He whirled around to see a small man in his 50s, clad all in black, standing on the far edge of the camp. In his hand was a green lightsaber, though it was obvious from the way he gripped it that he had never received any proper training in how to handle the exotic weapon. At the man's side was Bane's own apprentice. She had not drawn her lightsaber. Bane snarled in anger at her betrayal, his rising anger fueled by the chemicals the orbalisks were pumping into his system. Today is the day you die, Darth Bane, the man said, charging forward to attack. At the same time, the five red-robed figures rushed in from behind him. Bane spun and thrust his open palm toward them, lashing out with the power of the dark side. Like the Jedi and Sith, one of the first techniques Shadow Assassins learned was the creation of a force barrier. Channeling their power, they could form a protective shield around themselves to negate the force attacks of their enemies. But if an opponent was strong enough, a concentrated attack could still breach the barrier. Darth Bane, Dark Lord of the Sith, was definitely strong enough. Two of the assassins were stopped in their tracks, knocked to the ground as if they had run into an invisible wall. Two more, weaker and less able to defend themselves against Bane's power, were sent flying backward. Only the fifth was strong enough to resist the Sith Lord's throw and continue his charge. However, without his brethren at his side to harry and distract his foe, he found himself the sole focus of Bane's wrath. Unable to defend against the savage sequence of lightsaber cuts and thrusts, he fell in a matter of seconds. Half a dozen fatal wounds scored across his chest and face. While the four remaining assassins regained their feet, Bane wheeled back to their leader. Wisely, the man in black had stopped his own charge and was gathering the force. 
As Bane stepped toward him, the man unleashed it in a single long, thin bolt of indigo lightning. Bane caught the blast with his lightsaber, the blade absorbing the energy. In retaliation, he struck back with lightning of his own, a storm of a dozen bolts arcing in toward his target from all angles. The man leapt high in the air, flipping backward to avoid the deadly electrical conflagration. He landed on his feet ten meters away, a small smoking crater marking the spot where he had been standing only an instant before. If I was one of the four that got stopped by the four shove, I would have turned and ran right then. Like this dude is way too powerful to mess with. I would have used one of those forest disappearing tricks and would have gotten the heck out of there. Now for Hedden, he is braver than I thought. Not very bright, but brave. He shot a little lightning bolt at Bane, which Bane just blocked with his saber. But the point that caught my attention was that Bane's lightning came from all directions. Once again, showing Bane's ability to control the force. He doesn't have to shoot lightning from his hands like the other Sith. He can just make it appear from anywhere. And people say that Bane isn't that powerful. Name one other Sith that can do that. Zada! The man shouted. Do something! But Bane's apprentice didn't move. She merely stood off to the side, biding her time and observing the action. The assassins fell on Bane again, but instead of repelling them with the force, he allowed his body to become a conduit, turning himself into a physical manifestation of the dark side's tumultuous power. As he spun like a whirlwind, his blades seemed to be everywhere at once, hacking, slashing, and slicing his enemies to ribbons. All four assassins died in the attack, though one managed to land a single blow with his force pike before his throat was slit, the wound so deep it nearly severed his head. Fueled by rage and fury, Bane shrugged off the deadly electrical shock like a rancor shrugging off the bite of a Venbug. Once again, he turned his attention to the man in black. Bane marched slowly toward him as his adversary stood frozen in place, paralyzed by the terrifying knowledge of his own imminent death. Zana! The man cried out to her again, holding his lightsaber vertically before him, as if it were a talisman that could hold the approaching demon at bay. Master, help me! Bane chopped down with his own weapon, severing the man's sword arm at the elbow. The man screamed and dropped to his knees. An instant later, his voice went silent as Bane ran him through with a single hard thrust. The lightsaber entering his chest just below his heart and protruding a full half a meter out the back of his shoulder blade. Bane slid his blade back out. As the old man's body fell face forward into the dirt, the Dark Lord turned to his apprentice. Xana merely stood there, watching him. You betrayed me! He roared and leapt at her. Okay, Bane cut down the four shadow assassins, then he turned back to Hedden. Hedden cried out for Xana to help him, but Xana just stood there watching the action. That's so messed up. He is going to die and you know she planned this all out. But that doesn't mean that Bane isn't as mad as a rabid dog. Xana had watched the battle with interest, taking careful note of Bane's tactics and tendencies and storing them away for later. Her master easily dispatched Hedden and his minions, as she'd expected though there had been a brief instant near the start of the battle when Bane had appeared vulnerable. Apparently, the Orbalisks were not able to fully protect him against the electrical current of the Force Bikes. Another fact she made a point of filing away for later. 
When it was over, her master turned to face her. She waited for him to demand an explanation, but instead, he let loose with a cry and flew at her. Zana barely had time to ignite her twin blades to meet his completely unexpected attack. She fell into a defensive posture, as she so often had during their training sessions. But this was no drill. And her master came at her with a speed and ferocity she had never faced before. Giving in to his orbalisk-fueled blood rage, he was like a wild animal, raining savage blows down on her from all angles. The strikes coming so fast, it seemed as if he wielded a dozen blades at the same time. Zana fell into a full retreat, desperately giving ground beneath the overwhelming assault. I did not betray you, master, she shouted, trying to make Bane see reason before he cleaved her in two. I lured Hedden here so you could kill him. She ducked under a horizontal cut from his lightsaber, only to catch a heavy boot in her ribs. She rolled with the kick, narrowly avoiding the return cut of his blade. She parried a sharp descending blow, gathered her feet under her, and launched herself backward, flipping ten meters clear. Listen to me, master! She shouted, now that she had put some distance between them. If I wanted to betray you, why didn't I help them during the... Oh! Bane hit her with a powerful force throw, sending her hurtling backward. Only the barrier she had instinctively thrown up at the last second to shield herself saved her bones from being shattered by the concussive force of the impact. She scrambled to her feet and twirled her lightsaber before her, creating what she hoped would be an impenetrable wall of defense. Instead of trying to pierce her guard, Bane leapt high in the air and came down almost right on top of her. She deftly parried his blade, redirecting it to the side as she spun away to keep his body from slamming into her. But Bane caught her on the chin with his elbow as she turned, the blow snapping her head back. Her body went limp. Her weapon dropped from her nerveless fingers and she crumpled to the ground. For a second, she saw nothing but stars. Her vision cleared to reveal the image of Darth Bane looming above her, his blade raised for the coup de grace. I only did this for you, master! She shouted up at him, ignoring the throbbing pain in her jaw. I only wanted to bring you the key to creating a holocron! Bane hesitated, her words finally piercing the bestial madness that had enveloped him. He stared down at her on the ground, his head tilting to the side as his bloodlust slowly faded. So Xana took a moment to record all the information from the fight, storing away anything that she might be able to use for later. She will have to face her master one day to fight him for the right to be the master of the Sith. She waited for him to question her, but he didn't respond the way that she thought he would. He attacked her with a rage she had never seen before, and she deserved it. She brought Hedden and his assassins to kill him. If that was me, I would have acted the same way. Bane's rage pushes him to almost kill her, but at the last minute she says something that caught his attention. She said that she had brought him the key to making a holocron, and that was all that saved her life. You did this for me? He asked suspiciously. Santa nodded frantically, even though it made her head spin. Hatton recognized me as a true Sith. I had to find some way to eliminate him and his minions to keep our existence secret. So you led them here to ambush me, he said, his skepticism obvious. I had to win his trust, Zana explained, speaking quickly and reaching into the folds of her clothes to pull out the data card Hedden had given her. 
I had to trick him into giving me this so I could then give it to you. She held the data card up toward her master, marveling at the fact that it had survived the punishment he had inflicted on her during the confrontation. Bane reached out to take it from her grasp, lowering his lightsaber and extinguishing the blade. He gave a brief nod and took a step back, allowing her room to stand. Xana retrieved her own lightsaber from where it lay on the ground, then rose slowly to her feet. Her head was still swimming from the elbow to her jaw, making it difficult to stand without swaying slightly. I knew you had the strength to defeat the Master, Xana said. That was why I didn't come to your aid during the battle. And what if you were wrong? Bane asked in a quiet, menacing voice. What if they had somehow killed me? Then you would have been weak, unworthy of being the Dark Lord of the Sith. Xana answered boldly, and you would have deserved to die. Precisely, Bane said with his familiar grim smile. And Xana knew her master approved. Oh, Bane has a soft side. The way he said, you did this for me, he actually seemed to be a nice guy. But it only lasts for a moment. Xana told him that she knew he would win. When he asked, what if they killed me? Xana responds the same way she should have. Then you are not fit to be the master of the Sith. Bane agrees with her, and that's where the chapter comes to an end, with a subtle hint to the rule of two. Now, this was a good chapter. It starts right out the gate with action. I like the way that Bane knew something was hidden in the Force. Then there was the lightning thing, where Bane caused lightning to come from all directions. Another time that it displays Bane's true understanding of the dark side. Overall, a great chapter in my opinion. Now, let's get to the quote for this week, and it comes to us from Amy Pohor. She said, you have to be where you are at in order to get where you need to go. Too many times I have heard people say they have regrets. They regret the path of their life. Shoot, I've even said it a few times. But your life has led you to where you are right now. And depending on the decisions you make from the lessons you have learned as you journey to here will dictate where you are in the future. Think back over your life to every bad decision you make. You learn not to make those choices again. So your life has led you to who you are right now. And that life will lead you to where you want to go. If you take time to realize your mistakes, then you plan a future where you can make the right choices to reach your goals. So I think I should leave you pondering that. Join us next week as we cover Chapter 16 of Darth Bane's Rule of Two. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.